0: This is Nikki, and this is John, and thank you for joining us on 1991 Movie Rewind.
1: Uh, before we get to talking about this movie, we just want to
0: give a trigger warning: we're going to be talking about domestic violence. Uh, Sleeping with the Enemy follows Laura Burney, played by Julia Roberts, a young housewife trapped in an abusive home. Appearances are great on the outside, but inside their beachside mansion is a constant state of fear and violence from her perfectionist, sadistic husband, Martin played by Patrick Bergen. One night on a late night boating trip, Laura takes the opportunity to fake her own death and manages to escape halfway across the country. Can she finally escape her past and start a new life? Screenplay by Ronald Bass, directed by Joseph Rubin, and released on February 8th, 1991. Now, I know that you have told me that you've seen this movie multiple times. Mm Mm-hmm. But you've never said whether or not you like it. So I wonder if maybe we should start with that simple question. I had never seen it before. This was my very first viewing.
1: I don't... Uh, f- this is weird because I watch this now and I still... I think... Well, okay, I don't know how to get into this. Um,
0: sort of a surprise question for yeah. you. Yeah. You know
1: when i when I first watched this, I think um it I was maybe twelve. I mean, I know when I was younger, my parents let me watch whatever they didn't they would watch it with me or I'd watch it with them, so with my mom, it was a lot of movies like this where it was you know thrillers
0: mm-hmm. adult
1: yeah adult themed type thrillers,
0: yeah.
1: and then this movie, I remember either it was on HBO or we rented it from Blockbuster and I remember watching it with my mom. And But I do remember watching this repeatedly because for some reason this movie just really resonated with me okay. in a way. And it just really affected me as like a 11 to 12 year old girl making me think that You know, is this how my life is going to grow up to be or something? Mm. That's, I told you, but, you know, just the, you know, the fixing of the towels and then making all the cans in the cupboards face each other. Mm -hmm. That stuff really stuck into my brain even to this day and I still have like either anxiety or PTSD from this movie and I feel like I still have to do it to this day or I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, I think I, was... I but I never answered the question do I like this no, movie? No. I I guess I do because it just reminds me of being young and watching this movie. There are certain parts of this movie that really annoy me, but there's other parts in this movie that I like.
0: Yeah, I guess maybe "enjoy" is the wrong word to use for something like it's this.
1: a. Yeah, it's a movie that I've watched many times over and over again, and I've never been like, "Uh, this this movie," you know. Right. I'm just like, oh, I'm I'm compelled to watch it still because it's I know, it resonates with me in a way.
0: Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you sort of took that uh, OCD type of behavior that was forced on Julia Roberts' character, the straightening of the towels, making sure that they're all in a perfect line, and, and the cans and whatnot, and attributed that to your own life as sort of like a, a way to avoid this from happening. I think it sort of speaks to how domestic violence can be so pervasive and, and, and um, almost subconscious in that way it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know if I don't know if enjoyed is the right word for this, but honestly I thought it was a lot better than than I thought it would be. Um, and I don't know if we want to go down this road right away, but maybe the best way to approach this is to sort of critique the critics of the time. Um, because when this movie came out in 1991, it was largely panned most of the critics out there hated it which is which is interesting because as someone who didn't have any experience with the movie growing up i don't think i even remember watching a trailer or commercial for it i just knew the box art from working at a video store and Mm -hmm. i knew of the title because i knew it was a massive hit and so i think in the back of my mind because of that i had the assumption that it was a good movie and so i didn't have any preconceived notions going in and I also think that the movie probably plays a little bit differently now to a um, to a thirty years older audience than it did in 1991. And I think I'm looking at things with a slightly different perspective than some of these people, like you know, the Washington Post and Entertainment Weekly and Siskel and Ebert were uh, back in uh, the day it was released. Um, I also think that this was lost. Well, critically, it was lost in a sea of other similar movies. There's and I think we're probably going to see a lot of these in the direct-to-video side of this project as we move forward. But there's probably a lot of these thrillers that dealt with similar themes, Pro- yeah. you know, relationships and, and and domestic abuse or you know um, things of that nature that are probably you know like um what would it be like uh. Fatal Attraction, I think, was, like, two years earlier, which was referenced a lot in some of the reviews that I read. Um, And I think that, you know, there's, like, you know, sort of like a slew of that type of movie that was starting to come out, and I think Yeah, like, erotic thrillers were coming up. Yeah, yeah. the
1: early to mid-90s had all those erotic-type thrillers. Yeah.
0: And this one isn't so much erotic. It's not erotic, but but it's a thriller. It deals with that same type of stuff. Yeah. and honestly, I mean, it is kind of like a TV movie, but with a budget.
1: Yeah. And the, with, I think the reason why this movie did so well was probably because Julia Roberts was in it. And this is, you know, right after doing The Pretty Woman and Steel mm-hmm. Magnolias. So people were probably like, oh, I want to see her again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She was the,
1: the main n- reason why. The new why. It girl. Yeah
0: and i think um this movie was like the first or she was like the youngest person to have a seven figure payout salary payout uh, at the at the time that this was made she was like
1: 22 or something yeah like she 20. yeah she was
0: quite young so it resonated with audiences audiences give it a higher score um you know the general public but critically um you know The equivalent of like one star and C's and D rankings and whatnot, which is, which is odd. Um, I can understand a little bit where they're coming from because the story is very basic, right? It is very much like a TV movie in that respect. And that um, most of the time, you know, what's going to happen, like, you know, what the basic story beats are going to be. Um, and it's presented in such a way that, uh, how do I say this? It's, it, it doesn't have much character in the writing. Um, so like, okay, let's take an early example of like when the movie starts, Julie Roberts is on the coast of, I think it's Cape Cod.
1: Yeah, um, it says Cape Cod, but when I looked this up, it was actually filmed in North Carolina, like on the shores okay. of North Carolina.
0: So she's she's on the shore of what's supposed to be Cape Cod mm-hmm. with this, um, you know, incredible modern architecture behind them of their,
1: their, home, of their summer yeah.
0: home. Um, and she's digging for clams. And the husband comes walking along the beach to talk to her, um ask her about something or whatever it is with his stupid mustache oh my god that mustache um
1: yeah i can say that his acting is the worst to me just everything about him i don't care for yeah
0: yeah he's um, i will just yeah i'll I He's will say the two men villains. in this,
1: yeah, the two men in this movie bother me. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. yeah let, let's, uh, let's wait until <laughs> we get to we, Iowa to talk about. The I second know. Man. But, um, so yeah, the, the husband Patrick Bergen comes on and okay. So it's sort of like this fifties mentality where it's just um wooden soap opera type acting. And like Julia Roberts, like hugs him for like two seconds and then gives like this emotionless, emotionless delivery of like, Oh, look what I've done to your suit. Yeah, I have sand on
1: your suit. Well, because this is just like a premise of, you know, she's very scared and kind of tiptoes around him. Right. She doesn't want to do anything wrong or bad.
0: Yeah, but I think it's just the delivery of it in that moment was more like uh, watching a high school play of, okay, do the motion, hug, count one, two in your head, pull away. Oh, look what I did to you. I am sorry. It's okay and then walk away. Like it had that kind of impression going in. Okay. And I don't know, just just the the plot and the structure of the story maintained that, but Julia Roberts' acting at least got a lot better. Um Patrick Bergen, however, yeah, he was he was supposed to be a monster. He clearly was a monster. He was nothing but a um, non-blinking (laughs) T-1000-like being who... uh, Yeah, he had no... He's just very
1: stoic, and then he...
0: Yeah, very, very soft-spoken, but yeah, mm hard-fisted, exactly. Uh, And that's something that I think a couple of the critics... Reined in on as one of their major criticisms but they wanted what was odd and i think what is one of the differences between then and now is that they were asking for him to be more likable like they wanted to have a way to relate to his character so i think what one of the things that was interesting or what was the main difference between then and now is like back then the critics they pointed to Bergen's performance and they wanted him to be more likable. They wanted him to be more relatable and for us to have empathy with him, which is not necessary. Um, I pulled a quote from Owen Gleberman, who is a longtime critic for entertainment weekly. And he says for, for the movie to be anything more than a mechanical stalker thriller, we need to experience Martin as a teasingly ambiguous figure. Frightening. Yes but attractive as well. We need to see him as a kind of male equivalent of the Glenn Close character in Fatal Attraction, a quasi-sympathetic monster whose dementia is really a twisted form of emotional pain. I completely disagree with that sentiment. Yeah. I think one of the things that this movie does right, even though Patrick Bergen's performance is a little wooden, is that they show... That some people, some husbands, can be complete and utter monsters. That's just reality, right? That's, I don't know. And they also don't linger on the abuse a whole lot. They show a couple sequences, and then she's gone, right? They, you know, they don't... Yeah, they
1: don't lead up to how this happened, or, you right. know, they it's don't Right, it's not really a slow
0: build of her...
1: It's just like a pretty much a two-night thing in the beginning of the movie. You know, one night, you know, she forgot to do a thing, you know, with the towels or the Mm -hmm. cans weren't straightened right. And he walks her into the room and he's like, you forgot to do something. And she's like, oh, like she's just very timid and scared. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. Like she's scared at every step that she's going to get hit. Yeah. And then sometimes she'll just be sitting there and then all of a sudden he hits her.
0: Yeah. Because, you know... Or he comes back in from talking to that doctor with the sailboat. and he's like, oh, he he saw you
1: staring at him out the window.
0: And punches her down to the ground and kicks her. It's, um... You don't need more than that, you know? Why would you want to empathize with somebody like that? I, I don't understand the rationale of that. Um we don't have to feel like his actions are a product of society or that he is not at fault for his choices. I don't understand that reasoning. Completely disagree with that sentiment from Mr. Globerman. Um, But he's not the only one that had something similar like that. Like Even Ebert in the TV uh, review of this said um, that Maybe this movie would be a little bit better if it said something new about domestic abuse. Um, Like what? I don't know. And why? (laughs) Why do we need to hear anything new about domestic abuse for it to be an effective movie?
1: I guess, yeah. Around, I mean, we were kids. So, I mean, around this time, I guess, yeah, there were a lot of movies that were similar to this. And then everyone's just like, oh, not another one. Of this.
0: That's what I can think... That's the only thing I can really think of. Is and they're to,
1: just comparing it to... Yeah, Fatal Attraction, which was really w- well... I haven't seen that in a really long time. I haven't seen
0: it at all. So I, I don't fully get the reference to Glenn Costa's character as the male, you know, um, quasi-sympathetic monster. But, um, yeah, I, maybe it is just a matter of we've seen, like, a dozen of these at this point... We need and we're something just kind different. Of done with it. Yeah, like I know all these plot points now, I know what's gonna happen, so let's let's move on.
1: I mean, this movie also came out in February. Isn't January and February usually the time where the not so great movies are released at the beginning of the year?
0: Yeah, at least these days. I don't know how true that was back then, yeah. but it probably was yeah, roughly the same type of so structure. The stuff that they knew weren't. Yeah, they were ready probably just rewards. like I'm done with this. Yeah, here's here's some light filler, and they did. Uh, the Masses definitely did consume it. It was the number eight movie of the entire year. Yeah, uh, budget of nineteen million dollars. It grossed worldwide one hundred and seventy four, almost one hundred seventy five million.
1: I also saw that it broke the home alone record because i guess home alone was number one for 12 weeks until this movie came out and became number one (laughs)
0: yeah that's a a weird
1: (laughs) so from going from everyone was watching home alone to sleeping with the enemy
0: and it probably stayed on the top for a little while until home alone 2 came out no um a whole couple years later (laughs) two years later (laughs) Um, so she fakes her death and, and, um, in a way where it's revealed that she's been living sort of a secret double life and, and, preparing for this moment in some way, you know, she has her escape bag. She has, um, a plan that she's made with her mother who the husband thinks is dead, but really just had a stroke and has been moved to a different care facility in, um, advanced preparation of this eventual possible escape um she learned to swim because she knew she was on the ocean and maybe she could you know and the husband didn't think that she could swim and so basically she yeah, was able she to was, fake her own drowning
1: he thought that in this she storm. was afraid to or she told him i'm afraid
0: yeah and that she of the water and i
1: can't swim the, she just always made that i mean that could have been true i think it at was one time, true yeah i
0: think it was true because at one time. she finally
1: co- overcame that fear and decided To learn how to swim, to get away.
0: Because one of the reasons how he found out that she did fake her death is that someone from the YWCA in her swimming classes called his office to express condolences of the passing. And that's when he realized, um, oh, she was lying about not being able to swim. Mm, At least more recently.
1: So, I don't know if you want to get into it, but that call was very weird to me. Because, like, why would this woman call him... At work, how does she have his work number
0: instead of a home phone number? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, uh, that's
1: where I these are the small little things that I have problems with it. Where that's one of them. I mean, why would you call?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it could be explained away if you really want to. I guess it would be something like uh, maybe she tried calling at home machine. I'm assuming they would have an both answering numbers machine
1: because you know she, they're rich, but who knows? Yeah. Or maybe they don't even have a phone in that giant house that they have. <laughs> right.
0: Or maybe she knows that the husband spends most of his time at work because of his position. But why and would And she's only she available to call during the day and so <laughs> she Well, I mean, if she was in the class, they probably had some conversations about But if life.
1: you're if I was in Julia Roberts, position I wouldn't even speak about my husband if he if you're afraid of him and want and planning on leaving I would lie to these people as well and these people in my class I yeah, would make I stuff up t- yeah. too I wouldn't delve into my personal life and say oh yeah I'm gonna take the swimming class because you know my husband it's very abusive and I want to leave him eventually. I am
0: Right. Yeah, you wouldn't really if if you're in this situation and you're hoping to use this as an escape tactic, you probably would not tell the real job of your husband unless it's a small enough town where they already know who you are.
1: Right, yeah.
0: So or somebody Or there does. she
1: found you know, there's an obituary yeah, or something. Yeah, exactly. It's like, Oh, I knew her, I wanna send my condolences.
0: Right. It could be something as simple as that.
1: I just wouldn't, if someone I knew from a swimming class that was sort of friendly with, I would not call their husband up at their job. I would call their home phone and just leave a message or write a letter. I don't know. Or send a card saying, you know, sorry for your loss.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are some weird little conceits that you have to give right Uh, in order to make this work i mean that's true i mean i understand
1: how like this story has to go but that was one of my problems
0: was this phone call to him and it seemed like a lot of people had trouble with the wedding ring being left in the toilet as well um like does that mean the toilet hadn't been used for weeks how did they not find this beforehand like it's a big old house it's a
1: big that i
0: and i would not be surprised if they kept separate bedrooms and bathrooms whatever like that he wanted to have his area and kept her area separate for a reason yeah that's that i
1: figured me. that that bathroom was her bathroom because he goes in there and all her makeup and yeah he, he never really cleaned anything out so when he does get that phone call and comes back to the house that's he goes you, through yeah, her he things, searches things that bathroom for and the he first searches time. that bathroom so maybe i mean he's never gone in there because that was her bathroom yeah.
0: Or who knows? Maybe here's here's your uh, here's your empathy. Maybe he was grieving so much that he avoided that bedroom and bathroom after the passing, and he chose like a guest bedroom that he's been using this whole time. There, yeah, you never there's know. your empathy. <laughs>
1: or he didn't even stay in the house at all.
0: Yeah, I mean that is their summer house. It's not their main house. Who knows? Supposedly. So, yeah, I mean, there are other things. Um, There are definitely character decisions that are questionable, especially when she does get to Iowa Um, and near the end of the movie, especially. That's where I have most of my concerns is why she did some of the things that she did, Um, other than for plot convenience. But. So she's able to escape. She's able to fake her own death and changes her hair, changes her, you know, puts on a wig, changes her clothes, and gets on a bus and goes all the way to Iowa. So she's going from like New England area uh, all the way into the middle of Iowa, um, and immediately is able to rent a house, like a big two-story house, furnished for seven hundred dollars a month. So that's
1: right, and that's
0: boy, is that interesting? I was trying to <laughs> figure
1: some, out. I mean, how she must have been. I know she was planning this, but she mu- she had to have been very careful to do this because if he's very, if he's watching over her and she's not even allowed to work, that's another mm-hmm. thing. He's like, "Oh well, you you only work three days a week. Isn't that enough?" Right. Like he wouldn't even leave, let her leave the house.
0: Yeah, exactly. Because she doesn't. He doesn't want her to have any sort of autonomy.
1: Of yeah. Course. So it's just very hard. I mean, she must have been really hiding phone calls or something.
0: Yeah, I wish they would have to set this up. Had like an extra scene or something to to show, or like have a conversation with the the person who's renting out the house to you know give Say, oh, an indication of. Oh, nice to of, finally
1: meet you. Yeah, after exactly. The, not just her stopping off a bus and seeing for rent and saying I want this, and then you get it same day
0: <laughs> right yeah if there was like some sort of a scene that indicated that yes this was part of her plan and that she finally was able to you know that she had some sort of a friend in that area that she was able to work with or something that would have helped quite a bit but no she's alone in this big two-story house i mean big to me i don't know it seemed like a pretty yeah, nice size nice like a house. full-on house with a yard and, and two stories and it's just her in cedar falls iowa um, and then we're immediately introduced to guy number two, basically, this guy named Ben, who's watering the lawn next door neighbor while singing West Side Story mm-hmm. in a nice little introductory scene, a little meant to be a goofball, introduce him as like this nice guy. Anybody who's singing show tunes while watering their lawn can't be bad, right?
1: Ugh. I don't know. If I saw that, I would just laugh at him. Yeah. I would laugh like how she did. Yeah. But then I would be, I would be rolling my eyes. I was like, oh, this guy, I don't know. <laughs> these people. <laughs> and then when he says that he's a drama teacher, I'm like, ugh, <laughs> even more. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No offense to drama people, I guess, but I mean, as a drama teacher, who.
0: You get the impression that he's just going to be too much. Yeah. From the start. Um, I mean, his hair is certainly big enough to match the personality. I mean,
1: they both have the same hair.
0: <laughs> that's probably true. Yeah, I was looking at him like, oh, man, that's like Greg Evigan from My Two Dads or like Joy Lawrence in the Blossom Days type of a hair. That big, know? Was poofy like, hair. Yeah, but, I mean, like almost like a helmet. I wonder if that was curls. too... Yeah,
1: because she also has big, poofy, curly hair, too. I don't know.
0: No, just trying to... Or maybe it's just trying to be the exact opposite of Martin, right? Where yeah. he's, like, prim and proper and, like, shorn down, except for that weird, weird mustache. That gross, gross mustache of his. I don't know if that was meant to be, like, a... I don't know. It made him look more villainous, for sure. Um... But yeah, maybe that was like, you know, he's like a looser guy, you know, and he's not so clean cut. He has the stubble. He has the big hair. But honestly, he was still quite creepy. Yeah. And I don't think that that played as creepy in 1991. I don't know. Maybe maybe it did to you when you were watching it as a kid. To me, yeah.
1: I I was annoyed with him watching it growing up and I was still annoyed with him because of the way he's just constantly just all up in her business. Like, mm-hmm. who are you? Where you come from? What's your name? Who it's this and like I don't know, just I was just like leave her alone for the love of god. Like, I don't know. She's just sitting there all by herself and he I know she goes into his yard. This is how they meet. Mm-hmm. She's in his yard, I guess, picking apples. Picking apples, and he's like, you know, you can get arrested for stealing property,
0: right? Yeah, but like, then, trying, to, trying to be joking, but yeah, like, but then comes that, up behind that, her, yeah, like kind of in the dark,
1: whispers, "You're gonna get arrested," Oh, yeah. in a creepy way, and then. You know, she's just like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, I only took the ones from the ground. He's like, well, this one doesn't look... I don't know. He, it's just very right. creepy.
0: Yeah, he's like grabbing at her clothes to like look at the apples. It's like...
1: Yeah. yeah. And then she just drops them and walks away. But yeah, then like, he comes back and he's like, you forgot yeah. these. I don't know. i would to be like, yeah, leave like, me the hell alone exactly. forever, please. Thank you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah I know like,
1: we're neighbors, but never speak to is, me ever again. This is a
0: terrible introduction. Yeah. I don't appreciate this at all. But yeah, he's like touching on her clothes and like trying to make some sort of a deal. It's like, oh well, if you, do, if you do this, then I'll let you take the apples. And she's like, forget it. Drops the apples and runs away. It's like, good for you. Yeah. But then he becomes part of. Her he's like, you know, I life. make a Very mean quickly.
1: pot roast. If you make that apple pie, right? I'll make a pot roast and we can have a dinner together.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I don't like Ben's character, but I think that's part of why. I think the movie works for me is because he is still creepy. I don't think it was an intentional decision on the filmmaker's part, but the fact that, like, just don't trust men. Don't trust men that fast. You know what I mean? Like,
1: that's where, I mean, she, and initially she wasn't. She's like, why are you asking me all these questions yeah. you know why can't i just you know live my life basically can't leave me alone sort of in a way right and then you know he said he's like you know because she introduces herself as sarah waters which mm-hmm. is a different name and you know he comes up to her one day because she finally works at the school that he works at and he catches up with her and he's like, you know, I saw you at the grocery store and I was calling your name and calling and calling and you never even looked or looked phased or was mm. even reacting to that name. Why? And then he's at, he's giving her like the nth degree again. Right. It's like, who are you? What's your real name? And all this stuff.
0: Right. It's like.
1: That's. That's just bothers it's me. like
0: I don't owe you anything.
1: Yeah. I don't just Leave owe her anything. alone. Yeah. But, I mean, eventually she trusts him because then she does say, you know, I'm running away. I ran away from my abusive husband.
0: Right. But he still didn't really have, um, he didn't have the right reactions to that type of situation, in my opinion, either. But I think his creepiness is what made the movie a little bit better for me just because it made it that much more unpredictable from a first-time watcher's perspective. Like, I didn't know if he was going to turn villain either because of the way he started out. Mm. You know, like, I I still had that doubt in my mind. I'm like, okay, is this just going to be, like, some weird, like, cycle that's repeating in her life and the whole thing is, like, you know, all men are shitty, um, you know, type of a thing? Or is it going to be something where he is the good guy and this is just a really stupid, outdated way to depict him as a good guy? And it ended up being the latter, but because I didn't know... It made it a little bit better in, in, in my perspective because of that. I didn't know, you know, how intentional the creepiness was, and it turned out it was not at all.
1: I mean, this mo- I think this movie also just resonates with me because I feel like all men are creepy because of this movie... They,
0: they all have, yeah, they all have that capability, myself included, for sure. I, <laughs> I don't want to, like, exclude myself from that, you know... Um, I'm sure I've done and said things that I shouldn't have at some point. Um, but yeah, it's all degrees. If
1: yeah. Just watch this movie and do the opposite of what yeah, these do the men of this. did like, in the, this movie.
0: Like, it's okay to listen, but like, don't like, he was very much on the verge of victim blaming with some of the mm-hmm. way he was handling those things. Yeah. Um, but here's the weird thing. Here's here's something from Rita Kempley from the Washington Post back in 1991 who found issue with Ben's character because he wasn't manly enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, given her druthers, Laura naturally takes to the cuddly collegiate over the one-dimensional land shark. But only these guys, meaning um, the director and writer, Ronald Bass and Joseph Rubin, only these guys would imagine that Ben who is positively ulcerating with thoughtfulness, could be attractive to women. It provides plenty of reason to call the Alan Alda emergency hotline with gooey Ben inclined to say things like, I don't know how to feel how I'm feeling, and then burn the pot roast. That's not to say bring on the Neanderthals, just some real men. So, yeah, and and, uh, other people are basically saying, like, he's too nicey-nice. Uh, oh, it, it, oh like, like, it's basically, you know, that type of uh, criticism is like, it's too much of an extreme turnaround for him. Yeah, like, yeah, here's this puppy dog character, so of course she's gonna fall for him, and of course that's what women are supposed to like, whatever, so. Just, just odd, again, the difference in mentality. <sighs> yeah. Um,. I think the guy who played Ben, he was, uh, fine he was yeah, actor, he was, he was but... decent. Uh, a guy named Kevin Anderson. Um, he's mostly a stage actor. He does appear in, in movies and TV shows here and there, but for the most part, he's like, you know, uh, works with the Steppenwolf theater and has for, for many, many years. Um, which I've
1: never been to.
0: Never been to. Yeah. No. Um, If we can go on a quick little tangent, though, (laughs) when I was looking him up, yeah, a little bit of a pausing on the credits, uh, he wrote his own IMDb bio. (laughs) Okay. And, like, honestly, like, half of it is detailing the steps that he took legally against his manager and accountants who stole money from him and left him, like, this major tax debt and, like, you know, detailing of, like, you know, this is wrong and, uh, you know, the statute of limitations is blah, blah, blah. But then you know, Kevin, like he's writing in the third person or whatever. And then Kevin filed this motion and did this thing. It's, it's, it's like this fascinating, weird, little descent into madness to, like, I feel sorry for him that he got cheated out of, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars. It sounds like over the course of his career, but it's just odd that he took to that platform Mm. as like his way to vent his frustrations or to, call to action you know and by the way you know if you look up this legal code or you know like if you think you know like he's it's yeah. it's, it's weird but fascinating look up kevin anderson's imdb bio page i'm sorry that happened to you kevin but weird outlet for that i mean
1: did he not get paid
0: he got, As well
1: for this movies, it did so well.
0: He got paid. No, he got paid. But he said but uh, just... that one day he went to uh, withdraw from one of his bank accounts and found out that all the money was gone because of a tax lien oh, or garnishment okay. that had stolen all of his from money. From his
1: managers.
0: And, and then yeah. he did like little uh, investigative work and found out that his managers had basically, uh, you know, embezzled hundreds of thousands of dollars um over the course of a couple decades or whatever it was so left him in dire straits unfortunately but in terms of uh performance <laughs> i thought he was i thought he was decent especially if especially if he was trying to be specifically creepy and again it's tough to know for sure at all times because there are a lot of uh Moments where he does like a jump scare, like he appears at the door in the middle of the night or he's like knocking really loud when she's looking away or whatever it is. And so I think those things were meant to be
1: more for the the audience rather
0: than to make him seem creepy. But it did help make him seem creepy.
1: Yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, near, you know, near the end of the movie with all the noises and stuff after they have that one date. You know she is. She sees certain things even when she's with him. After I don't know. This is like a course of a month or two.
0: Yeah, it's tough to know. They don't really give a good timeline.
1: It seems like a couple months, but who knows? And then, um, you know, just through they're kind of showing montages of them going on dates and you know they seeing the brown eyed girl. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah,
0: and then whole montage.
1: I don't know. And then, you know, whenever she does come home, she'll see a thing like a door open or she sees her towels and then she gets a little freaked out. Mm-hmm. And she, it's just, you know, kind of like that PTSD of, you know,
0: Yeah.
1: am I still safe? Am yeah. I safe?
0: Very understandable idea of looking, you know, looking over your shoulder in a sense and like making sure, are you OK or am I OK? And she doesn't take the hint when she needs to most. But, I don't know. Before we get into that, I actually do want to talk about that montage, though. The brown-eyed girl (laughs) montage? Yeah. Okay, so he's a theater teacher. He's like an actor, teacher, whatever, at the university. And so they go to... He's like, I want to take you somewhere. And then, like, first off, please don't go to weird, strange, dark theaters with men you've only known for a couple days, if you're... You know? Like, that seems weird to me as well. Like, why would she agree to go to this location with him?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like
0: that scene either. Like, they're alone in this, like, dark, massive... Theater. With I mean, yeah, like she, she's spots. just trying like she's, on all the
1: costumes, yeah, and, yeah, and they then they he puts around the stage, and you know, snows falling. She's on the swing, and you know, they're dancing around.
0: Yeah, it's supposed to be like this magical environment where she, you know, gets to play dress up and like whatever. her
1: barriers, her walls are finally sort of coming down with this yeah. guy.
0: And the whole time, I'm thinking, all right, we're basically just like watching him watch her. Undress and dress a bunch of times, and just like look leeringly. Yeah, because when at she is woman, changing,
1: you see him looking at her yeah, dress and
0: like smiling and whatnot. It's like this is creepy and pervy. <laughs> yes. And like, why are you, why are you allowing yourself to?
1: Do it's this? We- I don't
0: know. But like, we don't need this fashion montage in the middle of a thriller. That's not the appropriate avenue to show. Your guard being let down, or to you know, there's a big, there's a nice looking small town. You could do various different activities I mean, along the small town and show the like last, various normal date activities. Yeah, the last
1: date ex- that they went the same on thing. before you know her husband appears when they go to the carnival. That's yeah. a good day. I was yeah. like, even I was like, let's go to a carnival. Let's go to a carnival. <laughs> that should have been date number one like hey (laughs) i got a surprise if someone said if you said hey let's i got a surprise and you take me a carnival i am all for it yeah there you
0: go that'd be awesome that'd be perfect but no that's not how they do it um i don't really know what the point of the carnival was other than
1: it's just like another date night yeah in,
0: in order except to have martin the husband um hiding in plain sight sort of like looking at them with you know that that red tint on him while Mm -hmm. he's staring at them in the ferris wheel and it's like you know pure rage visualized um even though his face doesn't change expressions um but yeah very very odd choice to have that montage and don't don't do that you don't need it in this movie Uh, Before we get to the end, I think the only other major plot thing that we haven't discussed yet is the the mother situation, because that is a decent chunk. Um, So at some point, uh, Laura's mother, who the husband thought was dead, uh, only she had a stroke. She's basically blind, if not completely blind as well. And she's moved into this other alternative uh you know, um, nursing care facility. Um, and now that Sarah Sarah slash Laura is close enough to see her, um, she does just that by dressing up in like, you know
1: She dresses up as a man. As a man
0: and honestly I, I think, think it,
1: that's why they did the whole montage because Hey, he's he a has, th- access, yeah, to he has access to these costumes. And he's like, hey, I'm a theater teacher. I have all these costumes. Let's do this montage. Oh, you got to go see your mom, but you're afraid that your yeah. husband's going to find you. I have these wigs and things.
0: So dress up like a clown and dress up, and as dress a up like all these <laughs> other different outfits and let's dance around. Yeah, I don't know. I think they could have just had a conversation about that. Um
1: yeah, she could have just put her hair up in a baseball cap and. Yeah, I, I
0: mean the mustache was fine. Like, you yeah, know, you're like, hey, yeah. If you you're can go to a this, store and I'll help you find a fake
1: mustache at Party City or something like that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, you know what's weird is like I kind of think she looked a little bit like Michael J. Fox in that. Oh, game. as the guy. <laughs> as the guy. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. That's just my impression of it. She looked, uh, yeah, more grown up than Doc Hollywood. <laughs> um but yeah, so she goes and uh, Martin is there because he had learned separately that uh, from his own investigative work that the mother did not die and found out where she was being housed. And so they are just barely missing each other in this nursing home facility, especially at the water fountain where Martin drinks water like a psycho. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: i don't even know how to explain it yeah
0: like you know how in a water fountain you you just put your
1: lips out you bend over
0: and yeah like you know you'll catch the top of the arc with your mouth most likely
1: you don't suck on the spout but you know you're sucking from the top part of that
0: arch way of the water spout yeah you get whatever you can this dude opens his mouth like a freaking pelican and, like, comes at it from the front of the yeah. water stream and, like, tries to catch the, you know, the down, downward trend.
1: Into his mouth hole, I
0: guess. If, if we can find a picture, we'll put it on the website. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even think <laughs> of it. I
1: don't know if I want to see that <laughs> or have that ingrained in my brain again.
0: You know? uh, it's just really hard to describe. And, man, yeah, he's... Uh. <laughs> if anything shows that someone's a psychopath... He doesn't know how to drink from a
1: water fountain.
0: Yeah. But yeah, they cross paths like that. And um, uh, he pretends to be a cop to get information from the blind mother about where Laura is.
1: That's another thing that bothered me is, you know, how is he getting into her room? I mean, is he lying to these people at the front desk? Yes.
0: Yes. He's lying to everybody. Like he has okay. no moral fortitude. Whatsoever. I'm just
1: I mean cuz he comes to her and it seems like it's time to go to bed cuz she it's really dark out. Yeah, yeah. And it you know it seems like it's maybe 10 p.m. I don't know anything about nursing home visiting hours but wouldn't there be
0: a some. window? <laughs> wouldn't there be some? Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he's just there standing over her creepily staring at her. Right. And then he comes in and talks to her and poses as, you know, a police officer.
0: Yeah.
1: And then he almost kills her by...
0: About, yeah, about to smother her with a pillow. Smothering
1: her, yeah, with a pillow. But then a nurse comes in and is like, oh, what are you doing in here? Like, I don't know. She doesn't even say that.
0: She's just like, oh, it's time for your medicine. Oh, okay. And she doesn't even acknowledge the dude.
1: So she, they just, unless he was like, this is my mother-in-law and I need to know anything and everything about, you know, her yeah, life. Yeah, he and- probably
0: said something like that to the front desk. It's like, yeah, this is my mother-in-law or whatever. But um, I don't know. But yeah, I assume that he's lying his, his butt off just to get whatever he possibly can because he had been lying to other people throughout the whole thing. Um, what I really thought was going to happen, though, with that is I thought that the mother would feed him false information and recognize that this, that is, this is the husband yeah. trying to get at my daughter.
1: That's what I... I think she was sort of doing that in the beginning, but then... That's what it seemed like, and then all of a sudden... He was like, your your daughter is in grave danger, and then she's all of a sudden just like, please help her. She's very scared. She's right. supposed to call me on Sunday, and then... Yeah, that's yeah. when he starts pressing her with more questions. Like, does she know anyone? Does she have any friends? And blah. Does she meet a guy?
0: Yeah, and I then just, I really thought she was. He's threatening
1: her, threatening her even more. I and
0: also... then that's
1: when she was like, "Oh, he's a teacher, and he teaches drama at the college." Right, and that's when he go. They don't really say, you know. The university or college that
0: they don't he's say teaching it. Yeah, which one it is? But I'm just it's, thinking, you know, it's what the are one of those in m- Cedar Falls. I yeah. know. Yeah.
1: So he goes there, and then he finds a drama teacher mm-hmm. and threatens him.
0: Nearly kills him. And
1: I didn't know there would be. Uh, I guess there would be multiple drama teachers at a college. Uh, yeah. No, he's not the only one.
0: Yeah, depending on how big the place is, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I was really hoping that she would be. um Giving him false information or that, you know, Julia Roberts's character would have warned the mother about that possibility. I don't think
1: maybe, I think maybe and Julia Roberts finally was like, I think I'm okay. I don't think he knows I'm here.
0: I mean, it's, it's weird, but it's a weird balance. She because She does at
1: the same time. I don't know. Yeah.
0: She wouldn't be wearing a disguise if she wasn't worried about it. So can she really be that naive? I don't know that's that's the problem with how it was written I wouldn't
1: even I don't know Is I wouldn't even tell the mom about you know I met this guy he's a drama teacher I wouldn't even right. delve into that just you know spend time with your mom don't really talk about your personal stuff as right. of yet I don't know
0: yeah I would say so too but whatever,
1: I know this is for the movie <sighs> the, and yeah, it, for it, the, the story to pro- progress
0: into exactly. what's
1: happening at the end.
0: It, it is like, you know, it is sort of like a horror movie. And that's one of the things that Ebert was saying is like this basically turned into a slasher movie in, in a sense because of the way, you know, the character decisions were handled at a certain point. And, you know, it's really counterintuitive, but serves the, the drama and the suspense aspect because of their poor decisions. So we get to the ending. Of course, she has been found. Martin finds her at the uh, the amusement park, if not earlier. Um, But I think the first time that we see her um, being looked at by him in Iowa is at the amusement park. Yeah. And then she comes home. That was the other thing. How did he
1: know? I mean, so he's just because you see him paying to get in.
0: We don't know I wonder, how much time has passed, though. He could have gone to the house first. He could have found out somehow. Because, I mean, he's he's what? He's like, he's hiring detectives. Okay. He's, you know,
1: manipulating people to get information. I wonder he followed them because, I mean. Yeah, he could have followed them. Why would he just, he's randomly go to a carnival?
0: Yeah, I mean, he must have known.
1: That they were there. Yes. Unless this was like a... You know, I mean, yeah, it is a small town. It's like, oh, everyone is at this carnival. Maybe she's here. I'll pay and go in and see if she's here.
0: Right. So I I don't know. I think they just didn't show enough. They probably could have added a scene to show some of that stuff. But then you would know that he had been in the house and it would sort of ruin that little bit of suspense. Mm-hmm. So it's tough to, tough to get around it. I didn't have much of a problem with that aspect of it, I guess. Um, but I did have a little bit of a problem with her Actions in the house when she started to see things were off. Like she started to see that the towels were changed from what she knew of them. Mm-hmm. She checked the cupboards to make sure that the labels were okay, um, or that you know, you know, going. Those are really basically the only two things that they ever. Yeah, those
1: two things.
0: Towels and labels facing front. Those are the two things that indicate
1: that you know he's there.
0: Danger, Birds. violence. Yeah. Yes. Um and then the music, sorry, the the classical music piece.
1: Yeah, that um, song that I that was the other thing I thought it was something that he liked. They don't really delve into that, but when she was taught, talk- when she first met Ben, and he- I think when they were talking about music, she was like, I really like the composer Berlioz.
0: No, she likes classical except for.
1: Oh, except for yes, Berlioz. That
0: gives me the chills. Yes. Because he, uh, Martin would always play that during some of their.
1: Yeah, whenever uh, they. Non
0: consensual would- encounters. Yeah.
1: Because we'll whenever. He wanted to have sex, I guess. He would put this song on. Yeah. The Symphony Fantastique. Yeah. But the other thing is, you know, she has that tape player and she presses play. That song comes on. I mean, he just had a tape and put it in there. Or did she have that tape? That's
0: yeah. I don't the, know why she would assume that it was Ben doing that because she shouldn't even have that tape in her house at all,
1: right? Because when that's she presses when she comes back from their little date,
0: right? Oh yeah, she's she's gonna freshen up and then <laughs> she's she gonna, gonna freshen
1: up and then meet him and they're gonna have an extra date. This is like almost midnight at this time, yeah.
0: Where they're, they're gonna, gonna, gonna have, have little little a little picnic, picnic in the yard.
1: So. She's going in there because she's gonna take a bath, and she puts on the tape player, and it's that song, and she kind of just scoffs and goes, "Oh, Ben." I'm like, "Why would he mess with you like that? And why would she even have that tape or that song if she hates it?"
0: Yeah, and I don't know.
1: Unless he bought it and he put it in there to Who like knows. mess with her. Who
0: knows? But like, that's not a funny joke. Yeah, that isn't because like, I mean, I,
1: she's like, I I like. All of these things, except for this.
0: Yeah, this gives me the chills. I don't like it. And you'd think that he was smart enough, he would make the connection to say, oh, this is probably why she doesn't like this song. I'm going to avoid it at all costs. And so I don't know why she would just write it off like that. But then the tub, the water in the tub is continually running, even though she knows that she turned it off. And then she sees that the towels are completely straight, and she, she goes sees, down to the kitchen. And then she go, instead, of, and then she goes, and instead of running out the house because she knows that something has changed for sure in the house, she decides to go to the kitchen to check the cupboard and the labels first. Yeah, like you have enough proof. You have the song. You have, you have the, the running old- tub. You have the towels. She just had to get out.
1: Triple check out that you yeah. know. I mean, maybe she does that almost every night.
0: I don't know. They don't establish to, that. I
1: don't know. I mean, that part of that anxiety. I don't know if she's just, you know, oh the towel. Maybe I accidentally straightened the towels. You know, because that's just been so, engraved in her brain.
0: They made something of a deal about her. Specifically, leaving the towels messy and like she pushed the cans back into the cupboard yeah, as like an act of defiance,
1: half hazard in a way.
0: Yeah, but and she had already checked the cans before, so I think that was like her way to fully confirm that he was there. But I think she had enough proof. And of course, by that time it was too late, and he's he's there, and like you know, in her face again. I don't know, maybe they didn't even need that little aspect of it. Maybe maybe it wouldn't have mattered if she left. Maybe they could have wrote, written it in such a way that she sees the towels, she tries to run, and then he steps in front of her as she's going towards the door. Whatever. Um, but he's there. Martin's there. With the gun. Wanting to get back together. I guess, I don't know, whatever, whatever goes yeah, through the he mind. Yeah, like,
1: I finally found you, yeah, my princess, we're gonna be, yeah we're going to be together forever. forever. and But he's also pointing a gun to her, threatening yeah. to kill her.
0: Saying that um, if I can't live without you, then you can't live, or something like that. Mm. I, I don't remember the exact line. Um, yeah, basically saying, if I can't have you, nobody will. um And basically saying, like, you know... The restraining order, you know, you can call the police, you can try to get a restraining order. That's not going to work. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to ignore it. I'm coming after you. And if you want to try to live without me, then you are not going to live. Type of a thing. Um, and so there's a little bit of a skirmish. I forget how it goes down exactly. I think Ben comes in. Yeah, the, um, at that
1: point, there's a knock at the door. Asking if she's ben. ready. And... At this point
0: he's, he's Martin's hiding behind the door. Laura's trying to play it off
1: hmm but I mean Ben thank God, I don't know recognizes that recognizes wrong. that she yeah. is in some sort of distress, Braves and down the she's door like, and "I'll see there. you tomorrow." yeah, closes the door, but then two minutes later he's knocking it down,
0: yeah. And so the little bit of skirmish, Ben gets knocked unconscious. Uh, the gun gets loose. Laura is able to pick it up. Um, calls the cops and says... I like this part, Yeah, so you know I, Go ahead.
1: Well, I don't know. She just... This is the other thing is that Martin's just standing there staring at her with a gun in her hand. Yeah, trying I to, mean, to explain. wouldn't like, he come at her to try to get the gun? But he's just standing there and then she picks up the phone... I mean, wouldn't he want to grab the phone from her hand and be like, don't call the
0: cops? No, I think he's trying to say, like, you can try to call the cops, but it's... But not gonna nothing's going to happen? Yeah, you can get your you can get your restraining order, but, like, I'm still going to come after you. It doesn't matter.
1: But, yeah, she does pick up the phone and calls the cops, and she's like, please come to my... Here's my address. Yeah. I just shot an intruder.
0: And then Martin's like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the only time like, he shows he, like emotion, he didn't. I know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like, he's huh? like, I didn't know you were you this did? smart. <laughs> I don't know. What
0: did you do? Know? And then shoots him. She shoots him, like and three then three or four times.
1: Yeah. And his face as he's you know dying. Another
0: another TV movie like performance. Yeah. He's flailing around like whoa, Smashes against. No, just wall. the
1: look on his face. Yeah, I mean, dude. He's a I don't know. Face.
0: And so then he's down on the ground, shot four times, and she thinks everything's okay. And then they go with the stupid fake yeah, ending. Yeah,
1: obviously thing, that. Where
0: his hand reaches up and grabs her, even just though just one she last time. And like tries to. Uh, evidently, he has the gun, and like reaches up and like tries to shoot her, but it's out of bullets. And then he Ben dies. gets
1: up from his unconsciousness.
0: His, yeah, Ben gets up. And he dies and with his eyes with closed he yeah. always has to have his stupid eyes open. Um, and then credits. So yeah, it was a good, good final line for her. I think what we didn't really focus on too much yet is Julia Roberts, who I think uh, did a really, really good job in this movie. I yeah, think,
1: we sort of.
0: I mean, talked about it, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think I don't she think did, she did.
1: I th- yeah, I thought she did great in this movie.
0: I think she did a wonderful job of, like, conveying the vulnerability and the complexity of the situations mm-hmm. and was able to sort of um, manipulate and, and change her emotions throughout this the scene to kind of, like, you know, go from happy to sad or to um, uh, pretend for whoever character she was going towards or whatever. I don't know. She She did a really... A good job of, of conveying the everything there and i don't think she got enough credit at the time from the critics for that either um but yeah this movie it has plot problems it definitely has structure problems i also personally think that it has score problems the music i don't know what you think really? about it or not Uh, done by Jerry Goldsmith Jerry Goldsmith he's
1: done Gremlins Poltergeist Total Recall
0: tons nominated for 17 different Oscars one one. Nine 9 Golden Globe nominations nominated for things like Planet of the Apes Chinatown Star Trek 1 Poltergeist Ellie Confidential he won the Oscar for The Omen in 1976 this was like a soap opera or it felt like he was trying to do some sort of like Peter and the Wolf type of a thing and like with like weird bassoons and horns in weird places. And I don't
1: know if he was just trying to emulate that one song that that Berlioz composer. Maybe. I mean, that was pretty much the main
0: I don't know, but song, whatever it was, I like guess. whenever the music Throughout came the in, movie. it was just yeah. very obnoxious to me. It was very prominent and loud and heavy handed to me. So, fantastic overall composer, just not good in this. Um, And I'll also say that the writer of this movie, Ronald Bass, or Bass, I honestly don't know which one, uh, he won an Oscar for his previous movie. I don't know if it was the one right before this, but he won for Rain Man. He won won in 1988 for Rain Man. And, And then he went on to write things like Joy Luck Club, My Best Friend's Wedding, Stella Got Her Groove Back, Stepmom, so... He's written uh, several. Those are some Julia Roberts (laughs) movies. Yeah. So he's written. You know, he's he's a prolific writer and got some fan favorites under his belt. Um. And then uh, another common criticism I heard was about the director Joseph Rubin. He mostly was doing like, teen sex type or exploitation pictures at the end of his career and then he went on to do dreamscape and then the stepfather which is referenced in pretty much every single review i I, I remember the stepfather
1: he also did the good son which i really like
0: yeah the good son came after this as well as like money train and then Return to paradise with like uh
1: they're all very similar yeah yeah The thrillery type genre. Yeah,
0: he's definitely more of like the exploitation type of things. And people were saying, you know, Stepfather was effective. This one was... Not. Not. I honestly, I think he did a good job in terms of the visuals. Like, it was very crisp and clean and white and sterile. uh, Which I think worked to contrast the, you know dirtiness of the situation that that Julia Roberts was in. Um, I don't know, I think he did a, a decent enough job of making it look like something more than a TV movie. Even though the story that was handed to him was, you know, could have been a lifetime movie, the visuals escalated it or elevated it to a, you know, a higher level. Uh, really quickly we can talk about the awards that this movie won or didn't win. Mm. Um, <laughs> actually just one. Uh, so we got, uh, we got two awards to talk about. Sorry. We got, um, Jerry Goldsmith, whose score I hated, won best score from the BMI Film and TV Awards. Okay. Uh, so like a British, I believe. Uh, and then this also won the yoga award for worst foreign film. I don't know much about the Yoda? yoga awards. I tried to look them up. I think they're a Spanish... Uh, institution or organization or something, so that's why it's worst foreign film. And huh. it seems like it's similar to like a Golden Raspberry, where they only award worst. Yeah, yeah. Um, trophies or whatever. So yeah, this this won the worst foreign film. So again, proving the point that uh, critics at the time hated this movie. So. I just have
1: some tidbits about the filming locations and about that house
0: it was a nice looking house
1: so that house was built on the coast of north carolina in wilmington north carolina and i also found out that wilmington is close to the cape fear river Mm. so we're making a call back yeah and um It'd be cool if
0: they have, like you know, floated on the houseboat. <laughs> yeah, the housebo- <laughs> the houseboat, the houseboat floats on by. by as they're in the storm of the uh, yeah. <laughs> where she takes <laughs> you her own death. See, you
1: see Juliet Lewis and Jessica Lang <laughs> yeah. trying to escape, and yeah. while she's trying to escape,
0: they're all they're all, all three women she, leave on together, different buoys.
1: Yeah. Anyways, it's a the house is a 3000 3, square foot two story Cape Cod home. And the house was built in an environment, environmentally sensitive zone of beach grass. So 20th century Fox executives gained permission to build that house there on the coast only by promising to tear the whole thing down and restore the property as soon as shooting was done. Hmm. So they built this house. They kept their word. They built this house filmed for a couple months there the house was demolished and the leftover lumber and materials were donated to a Habitat for Humanity in Anderson County South Carolina and this the studio spent an estimated $25,000 for all of this to happen
0: twenty five thousand
1: yeah I got to build they probably only this?
0: they probably built like the outside structure to make sure it stood up but then only for the interiors like, were films more else yeah or that yeah but hey if you can rent a house for seven hundred dollars a month maybe Th- but
1: that's is Iowa <laughs> I mean this this house is on the beach yeah. in Cape Cod I mean in this movie another thing that I read is that during the carnival scene, there was more than 200 volunteer extras that showed up for that day. It was a two-day film scene. And the extras weren't paid for working, but the studio caterers served them dinners of chicken, meatloaf, and spaghetti. That was their payment to all these 200 locals that showed up. And this was also all of... These films, even the Iowa scenes, were all in North and South Carolina.
0: Mm. It looked, it was, it, that was a nicer town, square, whatever town than what we saw in the Doc, Doc, Doc Hollywood, Hollywood one. I mean, obviously, it was meant to be probably a little bit more like was, a
1: rundowny type town. Yeah, yeah. yeah Doc yeah. Hollywood
0: was. This was meant to be more of a university town, clean cut, whatever. But yeah, it was very fancy looking.
1: The other thing that I read was that a writer or just a PA on the set noticed that when Julia Roberts was not in any scenes, she would be seen sitting at a stool or a desk or something doodling on the back of her script, and she supposedly was writing Julia Roberts, Sutherland, and Julia R. Sutherland because mm. she was engaged to Kiefer Sutherland at that point.
0: They never got married,
1: right? It no, was just, yeah. I, also, I just Julia Roberts broke off her engagement to Kiefer at the end of 1991. Okay. So the two met on the set of the 1990 movie Flatliners for okay. filming that. And they soon became engaged because, I mean, that's they've been together maybe two years at that point.
0: At most, right?
1: And it w- was speculated that Kiefer was cheating on her. So I didn't really read much into it. She just broke off the engagement. And then she soon started dating his best friend, Jason Patrick, who is co-star in The Lost Boys.
0: I see. And then on from there other like why i love it or something was the major she one. She married him. Yeah. 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 But I don't, I, think, I don't remember how long that was.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I after, did I mean. see like an article calling her the runaway bride and she was in, you know, the movie right. Runaway Bride, huh?
0: But was she called Runaway Bride first? Don't And know. she made the movie because of that moniker? Yeah. I never saw Ronnie Bride*, so Bride. Um, oh, one last little note I want to make about Patrick Bergen, since we're talking about the cast and crew and all that kind of good stuff. Um, he's mostly an Irish actor. We are going to see him again in a 1991 movie called Robin Hood, but not the one you're thinking of. It's the other one where he plays Robin Hood.
1: Oh, I don't know <laughs> if I'm ready for that.
0: <laughs> and then he's also in a movie called Highway to Hell uh, from 1991. I, Do you
1: remember him? He was in Lawnmower Man 2.
0: Yes, he was. Uh, But he also had a top ten hit in Ireland in 2003 with a song called The Knacker, um, which lyrically, taken literally, is about a person turning dead horses into glue, but evidently there was a big controversy from the Irish Travelers movement claiming that the name of the song is a slur against their people Mm. and he got into some hot water over calling his song that and he should have known that that was a derogatory term against these travelers and but it became a big hit so i listened to it (laughs) <laughs> absolutely terrible i am not going to seek it out if you it. want to i don't think we'll even put it on the website <laughs> if um, you want to but yeah feel free to look it up but yeah he's still acting i think he just mostly does stuff in ireland and doesn't doesn't cross the pond a whole lot but yeah that was the last little note i had there
1: so usually at this time we provide you know something noteworthy or newsworthy or i try to provide something true crimeish an element that is related to the movie that we watched or something that happened the week that this movie was, or the movies that we watch, their release dates. I wasn't able to find anything, but instead because this movie is about domestic abuse, I was just going to talk about that. And unfortunately, domestic abuse is pretty common and Some of the statistics that I found is that one in three women and even one in four men have experienced some form of domestic abuse, being it physical, emotional, sexual, or psychological. And, you know, now that we are in, this is as of March 2021, we are pretty much one year within this pandemic, I have seen in the news and online that intimate partner violence has surged by more than 50 percent within this past year due to the you know stay-at-home orders
0: rising stress loss of jobs
1: people of all races cultures genders sexual orientations socioeconomic classes and really religions experience intimate partner violence such violence has a disproportionate effect on communities of color and other marginalized groups. Economic instability, unsafe housing, neighborhood violence, lack of safe and stable childcare, social support can worsen the already tenuous situations. So, IPV, which is intimate partner violence, cannot be addressed without also addressing social factors, especially in the context of this pandemic. I read an article that was called The Pandemic Within a Pandemic about this. And it shares, you know, hotlines and websites for those that experience IPV. And we're going to share that information on our website Mm -hmm. and then also on our show notes. Possibly some local charities that are within the Chicago area just to see if we can donate to.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there's some we support, and uh, we can ask you as well to consider supporting any local women shelters and, and charities along those lines.
1: And so now we, that uh, we are done with that, we're just going to get into
0: pop culture. Yeah, try to turn the tone around a little bit at the end here, I guess. Once again. So and I'm just going to do go the basic...
1: Right. I mean if it made 179 million. Yeah.
0: Unseated home alone.
1: Mhm. So I'm just going to give, you know, the top songs. The top number one song in the US was CNC Music Factory is going to make you sweat. Oh, nice. <laughs> you like that? <laughs> yeah. Okay.
0: I had that, that tape.
1: Okay. My this is this piqued my interest. The number one song in the UK was the KLF 3M Eternal, which I played for you like a few days ago. Because mm-hmm. I was like, have you heard of the KLF? And you said yes.
0: I knew but then, the name.
1: But when I played several songs, you're like, no. No. <laughs> I, know,
0: I know the name, not the songs. Maybe. But,
1: I mean, during this time, I was extremely, capital O, obsessed with... <laughs> The KLF around this time, and I have the tape. Their album that this song is on, 3AM Eternal, is on the album called The White Room. And it's pretty much just two speakers. There's one standing up, and then there's one above it. And I remember I would just listen to this going to sleep. Mm. Because it was very... It's a very, like, a concept album. It's just one song blends into the other so it's like one big long song yeah okay and um i know there's a lot of songs that are very the songs that i play for you were very loud and dancey but then the songs that are in between those are very mellow and kind of trance-like and i remember i would go to sleep listening to that i listened to this album a lot and i don't know i if anyone can find it i would just suggest listening to this Album, if you can find it anywhere, I, it's not on Spotify, unfortunately. I found it on YouTube, mm.
0: but deal if deal you have some, ads yeah, I that, know that's likely. not
1: as fun. But if you have some noise canceling headphones and just listen to it on high volume, also top number one R and B song was En Vogue's "You Don't Have to Worry," okay. which this is like pre "Free Your Mind," yeah, you know. Yeah. Lovin', and I think this is you know. their very first, maybe single from
0: their first album. Okay. Yeah, that one I can't I can't place it in my head immediately, but I know of it at least.
1: And then now I'm just gonna get. I, I looked into you know how now I'm just doing the TGIF. Mm-hmm. I looked into what was on. It's pretty much the same three Full House, Family Matters, Perfect Strangers. But this one I mentioned before was a TV show and it only lasted for one season was Going Places and that's the one that had Alan Ruck in it where it's five wannabe or they're writers that want to be writers in L.A. They all move from New York to L.A. to become big wig writers I don't remember Are there any other names in there? Uh, Heather Locklear, Holland Taylor.
0: Huh. Like, in the heyday of my TV watching.
1: I don't remember this at all.
0: Yeah. I I think I would have, but I don't.
1: On NBC, though, was something that you may have been watching at this time, at this age, was All Star TV bloopers. Were were, Were you watching that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I probably was. <laughs> we like the blooper shows. Well, let's get into rankings and ratings then. Uh, where within your one to five star scale would you put "Sleeping with the Enemy"?
1: I would give this a three.
0: I think I'm going to go with a two and a half, though. It's still it's still above average for me, um, but I, I don't think it's you know it's it's not Cape Fear territory. And it doesn't have the filmmaking prowess of Bugsy, even though Bugsy was a lot more boring. Mm -hmm, um, I think this was, you know, it was more well-made than than this. So I'm going to say two and a half stars in my zero to four star scale. Okay. And then every movie is worth watching once, but would you watch this again? Yeah. Yeah, I would too. This is probably one of the... I think it's probably like the second one that we've said. Like, I would not watch... You know, I don't really care to watch Bugsy again, but yeah, I think, you know, this was...
1: I think Bugsy is the only one so far that I would not watch Yeah, out of the five so far.
0: Yeah, this has uh, something of an undescribable appeal where, you know, I feel like, you know, even though the subject matter is dark, is, there's something about the movie itself that lends itself to, to rewatches, so. And if you out there want to watch Sleeping with the Enemy, as of this recording in March 2021... It's only available on digital rental, VHS, or DVD, but check your local listings because it may pop up somewhere for free streaming down the line. Uh, As for us, you can listen to us on all of your major streaming platforms. Um, You can email us at 1991movierewind at gmail.com. And of course, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Letterboxd. Just search 1991 Rewind. Or you can go to 1991movieRewind.com for the full list of movies, along with show notes and more. So this ends the first five episodes, where we were looking at five randomized movies from the first twenty top twenty-five box office hits. Now we're moving into box office number twenty-six through fifty, and our first movie in that batch is going to be The Fisher King next week, which is currently available on Fubo TV, Pluto TV digital rental, VHS DVD, and more. So hope to see you then. Thanks.